How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore, and a Scotsman dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by Providence impoverished? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to <laughs> episode six of Buddies Without Borders. I bet you can guess what we're talking about today. I didn't warn Chris that I was going to do that. You did not. I did not. Uh, my name is Stevie Jackson. I'm an actor, writer, and producer in Vancouver, B.C., uh, my name is Christopher Royce. I am a writer and a podcaster in San Francisco, California, and I'm looking for a mind at work. <laughs> <laughs> and I obviously found one in my podcasting partner here. <laughs> uh, do you want to tell the people what we're doing today in case anyone is living under a rock and doesn't know? Well, as we're talking, it's the first weekend in July and the Hamilton, let's say, concert film has just uh, dropped. And so we're both living in that reality where there's Hamilton and nothing else. That's right. <laughs> there are things that you hear about, you know, maybe it's the Grand Canyon or like the Sistine Chapel, great works of art or, you know, marvels of nature, the wonders of the world. And sometimes you go and you experience those things for yourself and it's sort of like, yeah, OK, that exists. But sometimes you go and experience it for yourself and you realize that all the hype was like more than justified. And I have been hearing from friends like Stevie that Hamilton was, you know, the most amazing musical since sliced bread, the musical. And <laughs> somebody please write that musical. <laughs> I really was blown away by it. I have the soundtrack, but I've never listened to it because I always felt like, well, I should actually experience this stage production and the soundtrack's not the same thing, but given the fact that the play was mostly on the East Coast and I am on the West Coast, I was actually supposed to see it this year, but that's something COVID took away from me. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, yeah, not having the ability to watch this amazing film version of the stage production, I watched it uh, at midnight on Thursday when it dropped, and then I watched it again this morning right before we're recording, and it's really spectacular. It's everything I expected it to be. Cool. Um, just for any theater nerds listening to us, I know you're screaming at your podcast player. I know it's an original cast recording, not a soundtrack. I know. Oh, yes. It's okay. My apologies. <laughs> they get real upset about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I first listened to the recording probably three or four years ago now. Mm -hmm. Everybody was talking about it. I was... I was in New York in 2015 in the fall, just as Hamilton was was hitting big. Um, and I didn't really understand what it was. <laughs> and I was only there for a week and I didn't have a lot of time. And just not being American, like I knew that Alexander Hamilton was on the $10 bill. And sure. that was about all I knew about him. That's what most Americans um, know, by the way. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's like he's not surprisingly, he's not a massive figure up in Canada. What with having zero to do with us at all. Yeah. Uh, so uh, other than seeing the statue of him in Central Park, I really didn't, I didn't think too much of it and later regretted it. Although uh, I understand that I probably would never have gotten uh, tickets at all. I don't know that they'd started the lottery. Yeah, by then. No I'm not sure, but I, I very much doubt that I would have gotten in. Um, but then people kept talking about it. I mm -hmm. think it was really hearing john hodgman talk about it okay and how once he heard the recording his life became sort of what am i going to do in my life about hamilton today <laughs> <laughs> that's fun um and yeah and just hearing enough people talk about how incredible it was i eventually well i tried to listen to it on spotify that was my okay. first spotify experience and i realized that if i did not wish to pay for spotify i could not listen to it in order yeah and this is absolutely an album that you need to listen to in order, or it makes very little sense. Yeah, so I broke like a down story and stuff. <laughs> very much so. So I broke down and just bought the thing on iTunes and thought, well, I hope I love it. it you know, it's it's twenty bucks or whatever, so we'll see. I'll either love it or hate it, probably. Um, and I waited to listen to it until I had a clear. You need like two and a half hours or so. Oh yeah. To listen to the whole thing. Um, so I, I believe I took a walk around the seawall here the first time I listened to it. Wow. And just listened to it while I was out walking, and it blew my goddamn mind. <laughs> 
It was. I still remember exactly where I was standing when the Macbeth references happened. Oh, yeah. Because that really took my breath away the first time. Um, especially when Angelica comes back with Screw Your Curse to the Sticking Place. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I... I walked most of the way around the seawall while I listened to it, and then I found a bench and sat down so that I could deal with what I'd just heard. (laughs) And at that point, I couldn't even, like, I hadn't even seen it. Yeah. But even then, I felt like, and I still believe this having seen it, because I've seen some footage in the meantime, and they performed at the Tonys, and there have been clips, but I haven't seen it, seen it until the other day when it came out on Disney. Chris has watched it twice. I've watched it once. Mm -hmm. Um, But I... I remain firm in my opinion that I, I think it is the greatest cultural and artistic work of our time. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be up there with like the Fast and the Furious movies. It's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think it's better. I think I it do, might be better than Fast and the Furious. I do unironically love those movies, but that was a joke. Um, <laughs> I know it was. And uh, another thing I just wanted to slip in towards the beginning of our conversation here is that I am in no way mm-hmm. an expert on musicals or musical theater of any kind, but I have experienced enough over the years and film versions of things over the years that I feel comfortable making broad declaratives. Like, this is an amazing thing that mm-hmm. is better than anything else I've seen, and it's not the second thing I've seen. <laughs> So I do not stake a claim to expertise, but I'm also not a complete novice. But that said, I'm sure I'm going to mess up some of the terminology. Uh, My brain remains resistant to terminology regarding music. So, like, I know what lyrics are and I know what melody is, but I do fuck up the words to those things sometimes. (laughs) So terminology wise, I uh, hope y'all will be forgiving. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle. Uh, My first theater experiences were musicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by that, I mean both the first plays I saw and the first plays I did mm-hmm. were musicals. So I have a little bit of experience. Uh, the first play I ever saw, the first live action play I ever saw was the musical Annie okay. in 1985 that my dad was in oh, in right, our hometown. Yeah. I, st- I still have the video. Um, and, and I've been in several. I did my school musicals and, and things growing up. So it's been a while. Um, I also took a few years of vocal music both private lessons and in school. It's been a long mm. time. My, I, I never studied it the way that someone who, you know, went on to get a degree or something did. I'm not, I, you know, I, again, no, no expert. Some yes. training, some experience. I do not claim to be a musical theater expert. I don't think you have to be to appreciate and understand Hamilton, maybe to understand some of the nuances of what it's doing. Yeah. You know, Um, but a lot of what's special about Hamilton is in the writing itself. Absolutely. Um, If you watch it, you'll notice that, that Lin-Manuel Miranda, who plays Alexander Hamilton really does not dance. (laughs) (laughs) He does a bit. (laughs) And, and tends uh, Hamilton himself does not have the most complicated vocal bits, um, which is not to say, I mean, obviously, Lin-Manuel Miranda, for anyone who doesn't know, wrote this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And by a whole thing, I mean book, music, and lyrics. Yeah. It's all him. Obviously, he had a musical director. Obviously, he had arrangers. You know, he had all of that. But this phenomenon came out of one guy's brain yeah to start with and and he knows exactly what he's doing with it so while he's not uh and i i think he would i don't know him at all but i feel like he he would be comfortable with me saying he is not the singer that chris jackson who plays george washington is he is not the singer that renee elise goldsbury who plays angelica houston is or that philippa Mm -hmm. sue who plays eliza is did i say angelica houston you did did, didn't i skyler angelica skyler (laughs) every time i hear angelica i want to say houston i don't know why angelica skyler i'm very sorry renee uh or or philippa sue who plays eliza skyler later eliza hamilton Mm -hmm. they are phenomenal vocalists absolutely phenomenal i think I think Lynn knows he's not on that level. I'm certainly not on that level. This is not a judgment on him. But I think he, he's on that level in terms of understanding music. Oh, absolutely. I just, I don't think he sings at that level. And, which is fine. He yeah. doesn't need to because he plays 
the scenes so well. And he sings fine. Like, he's good. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. I mean, I think that when you're dealing with anything that's Broadway or Broadway adjacent, I know this started off Broadway, um, I think you're already dealing with such a small subset of the population, even within mm. like the theater community, that it's yeah. such like these little fragments of like, are you 98th percentile or are you 99th percentile? <laughs> but I will say that my observation from the movie version is that the main thing that Lin-Manuel Miranda brings to it is the acting and like the pathos mm-hmm. of the character. And yeah. the thing that I was really struck by and despite being a historian, I'm not going to talk at all about historical accuracy. I have not read anything in preparation for this episode about historical accuracy. So I think we should, if anything, I, save that for another conversation. I mean, I know that certain things mm-hmm. are, did not happen or did not happen the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a line early on when he meets uh, Lawrence and, and mm-hmm. Hercules Mulligan and where they say, what are the odds the gods will put us all in one spot? They didn't. <laughs> they, that that never happened. The four of them yeah. were never drinking together in a bar. It's not it's how they met. A metaphorical spot. Um, yeah. So there, lots of it is, I think we can stipulate, yeah. lots of things are fictionalized oh, or, or massaged for for the show to work. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not history. It's art. Yeah. And that it's, was... It's historical fiction. Yeah, sure. Um, But that was what I was going to say specifically about Lynn's performance is that he brings such power to the character in her portrayal that it does a lot to sort of explain without excusing. And so you're given the opportunity to sympathize, empathize with Hamilton, the man, without necessarily like lionizing him he's still very flawed it's not one of these it's mm-hmm. it's an, about an american myth but it is not itself an american myth in the tradition of the way we usually talk about our so-called founding fathers and you know george washington never told a lie and chopping down a cherry tree and all that sort of nonsense yeah this is not jingoistic he's, pre- he's presenting very real people in a very real way Mostly, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think there are some big things glossed over, mm-hmm. um, including the fact that, for instance, George Washington was a slave owner. Sure. And that is never mentioned uh, in the musical. Yeah. And and it must be interesting. I'm not up on who the Broadway cast is. Well, no one is the Broadway cast now. <laughs> but the people who, who were playing these roles before COVID and whom I hope will be able to resume them after COVID. Yeah. Um, it must be interesting to be a black man playing a white slave owner. Yeah. Um, I mean, the casting in the show is, is very diverse and very purposeful. Yeah. It's almost entirely people of color. Uh Um, There are a couple of white people running around the chorus (laughs) and uh, there's the guy who plays King George, Jonathan Groff um, in this case. Uh Yeah. And then later Rory O'Malley, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. And that's purposeful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there there are some some people are made out to be better people than they were. George Washington being one of them. Sure. But I think you're right that Hamilton himself is not necessarily made out to be. He's maybe the most flawed of the characters yeah. that we see. Him, him, and Aaron Burr, I guess. Um, but he's really. We see the not so great sides of Hamilton. Yeah. Even as he is our protagonist and our hero through the thing. And I would say that he is to my to my view, he's one of three like principal viewpoint characters with Burr okay. and mm-hmm. Eliza. And I would say that specifically about Washington, there's a lot that we can say about Washington. And I mean, the man mm. died still owning 300 human beings. But I think See? what mm. what the show presents is like. Washington through Hamilton's eyes like I think that we're sort of meant to see what these people meant to Alexander not necessarily Mm -hmm. what they mean to history Mm -hmm. and so I I don't know my opinion having experienced this twice (laughs) yeah I I I would add Angelica as a viewpoint character oh absolutely yeah I should have thought about Um, that too I think as as much as Eliza is satisfied and then later um is it in his quiet uptown or right before that? As not sure. You know, there's there's that point in Act Two mm-hmm. where obviously Eliza is not going to speak for herself, yeah. and so Angelica speaks for her. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think there are. I think she plays a, a major mm-hmm. part. I I think she has the best part in the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, let let's dive. <laughs> she into has the that. best song in the whole thing. Yeah. 
um, I do. I want to make one uh, semi-correction, though. Oh, I sure. would not refer to this as a movie version because it's not. Sure. Yeah. This is a this is a filmed stage production. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked into how they did it. They they filmed uh, three times. They filmed two performances that included an audience. Yeah. With cameras in different angles in the theater in different places to catch the wide shots and to get the audience uh, reaction. Not that we ever see their faces, but the, <laughs> the applause. Yeah. Um, and then they also did a day, I think it was a day, might've been two without an audience. Mm-hmm. So they all came in on their day off and they did the show for an empty theater with no audience. And that's how they got coverage and close-ups and, and things. Yeah. Um, but it is, very much a stage performance. You see the set design. It is the best film stage performance I have ever seen. Um, yeah. Britain's National Theatre does a lovely job of capturing their stage plays on film. Um, I, I've never seen it done this well. Although what, what the National Theatre does not do <laughs> is they don't ever kick the audience out and do it. Sure. They just film the play yeah. um, with multiple cameras, but but still, so this is definitely the the best job of that I've ever seen. But it's not a movie version of Hamilton. It is yeah, it's not an Hamilton. Adaptation. No, it is Hamilton, the Broadway show with the original Broadway cast mm-hmm. in its entirety. Yeah. Uh, by the time they filmed it, Lin Manuel Miranda was no longer playing the role. He came back. Jonathan Groff had moved on. He came back. Rory O'Malley graciously stepped aside mm-hmm. for that show for those shows, so that Jonathan Groff could resume the role, and so they could have the entire Broadway cast the entire original Broadway cast in the film. Um, but yeah, I want, I just want to be careful that we don't refer to it as the movie version. Yeah. Oh, that absolutely. Thing. No, that's an important corrective. And like I said, I don't know all the good words for things, uh, <laughs> but I have the best words. <laughs> many leather bound books, um, but no, let's... zero leather bound books to my knowledge. <laughs> let's jump back into specifics. Yeah. Uh, Satisfied, I think, is the song that really stuck with me from like a content perspective. You know, obviously there's the way all these things are written just absolutely blows me away. There's so many Mm -hmm. words. There's so many words. And they're all, you know, it's (laughs) there. There are a lot of words. (laughs) Yes. The the amount of dialogue in this show rivals most novels in length. It's spectacular. Yeah. But I I, will. Satisfied is the most complicated mm-hmm. song musically and vocally in the whole thing. You can ask Lin-Manuel Miranda yeah. and he will admit that. He actually, <laughs> he was live tweeting oh, right. the yeah, show I didn't see that. Saturday, Friday night. Mm-hmm. It came out on Friday. Mm-hmm. He, he was live tweeting along and that's, that's when I chose to watch it. And I very quickly realized that I had to just turn my phone over and not look at it. Cause <laughs> I, I couldn't, I was like, I need to look at the screen at all times. I'll yeah. read his tweets at intermission, which I did. And he did uh, specifically tweet out that he'll, he'll never top satisfied yeah like anything he's written up till now and anything he'll ever write he'll never top it and i think he's right um because the idea behind the song the way the song works Mm -hmm. um what is happening musically what is happening vocally what is happening visually it's extraordinary it is it is the song that even the first time i heard the recording stuck out to me afterward and that is that is a show where every single song is spectacular there's not a false note in the whole thing there's not one song that you're like oh we could do without that (laughs) they're (laughs) they're all necessary they're all wonderful um they're all incredibly musically strong Mm -hmm. but satisfied stands out in a way that that none of the others do it's just incredible yeah the thing that i thought was amazing about it is that they sort of tell one version of the or from a particular vantage, the courtship mm-hmm. of Alexander and Eliza and then their wedding. Mm-hmm. And then they literally zip, 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 rewind and then tell yes. it from another vantage. And I and you hear them singing rewind exactly, in the background exactly. as they visually, physically rewind. And I think the turntable mm-hmm. on the stage even goes back the other way. Yep. They do the reverse choreography. Yeah. And, and they have a, there's a turntable on the stage and it actually spins the other way mm-hmm. during that song. Um, but that was the kind of yeah, thing that I just it never would have considered that you would do that with stage. That feels like a thing that happens a lot in TV or in movies. But again, not being a stage expert, the idea of like, oh, <laughs> we're just going to jump back and do this again. 
but you're going to see this completely different side of what you just witnessed. And yeah. this is just going to absolutely haul you out inside like that. I found so yeah. powerful the first time that hit me so we hard. First, we first see it from Eliza's perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and in the song helpless, just to sort of help people along who maybe haven't seen it oh, sure. <laughs> um, when you're watching it. So it, there's an earlier number helpless that basically uh, tracks Hamilton and Eliza's meeting courtship right up to their marriage. Then we mm-hmm. get to the wedding. Angelica's giving a toast. And as as she starts to give the toast, then we rewind uh-huh. all the way back and we see Angelica's perspective on that meeting. And it's entirely different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's all the same major beats, but now you actually see the greater context and in the inner life of this character who's... Mm-hmm point of view wasn't represented a minute ago mm. and like oh oh suddenly you have such a deeper understanding and that's that's what's so what's such a big part of the masterful way this is written it's the storytelling not just the lyrics it's mm. everything together it works on every level well and, and speaking of the lyrics she has the fastest most complicated most so most fast. difficult rap in the entire show mm-hmm. and she nails it and apparently did so every single time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda has said she never she never slept not once, um, which I I believe it. Like if you if you watch this show and Renee Elise Goldsberry doesn't stand out to you as one of the most magnificent performers you've ever seen in anything anywhere ever. Something is very wrong with you <laughs> because shots she, fired. She is magnificent. Well, I'd like I'd love to meet the person who would watch her performance and argue with that. Like yeah. something's wrong with you if you don't see it. Can, She's incredible. Can I say I don't want to meet that person? <laughs> no, I'd rather not. <laughs> but it's like this this is the hill I will die on. That's right. <laughs> yeah. What was the other one of the other standout moments for you? Um, I mean I think I think Helpless is beautiful. Um I think Philippa Sue's voice is beautiful so expressive um i will say one of my 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 favorite least favorite sequence in act two is uh the death of philip oh yeah and that's rough. it's quiet uptown afterward that's it's rough yeah but um eliza gets m- more to do in some ways in act two absolutely um because she has her solo she has burn mm-hmm. and then Philip dies, and then really they have what is it's not her solo, but in it's quiet uptown, yeah, where we see her and Alexander come back together, narrated by Angelica. I mean, that's that whole bit is is really powerful, yeah. Um, yeah, she has like an epilogue almost, she does. She she has the last number in the show, um, where she kind of tells us what happened. After the death of Alexander Hamilton, I'm not yeah. too worried about spoiling things because it is historical. It's it's fictionalized, but he really did die in a duel with Aaron Burr. Like this, that part really happened. Yeah. <laughs> and for myself, having studied a lot of history in this period, knowing most of the broad strokes of most of the admittedly men's lives, mm-hmm. uh, it didn't spoil it knowing all this stuff you know which people worked for which people and who became president and yeah all that kind of stuff there there was enough like stratification of additional personal detail and that's mm-hmm. where you really get lost in this story and so knowing who was president doesn't matter so much no and and it's all that's all historical record exactly. so yeah i yeah. mean if you've seen drunk history you've seen that <laughs> duel that was one of the one of the first I think Gags narrated it. It was one of the Did one it? of the first, if not the first, drunk history episode. Was uh, Hamilton and Burr's duel? Well, we'll have to look that up and we'll have to look for it. It's probably on. If it was one of the first, it's probably uh, still on YouTube with the the free stuff before it became a real TV show. <laughs> oh, that first, first the pre yeah 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 like way TV back show first okay. way back yeah. Um, uh. Yeah, it's hard to find <laughs> anything in this show that doesn't stand out i do i do love the king as comic relief i love that very much (laughs) yeah my my reaction to graf's performance was i never knew that someone could choose scenery with their eyes oh interesting 
the way that he just dominates his little moments Mm-hmm. The I don't even know if you'd call them like an intracta, but the he comes on stage mostly alone to speak basically directly to the audience mm-hmm. and has his little moments. But he is just he is the most George you could ever <laughs> want to be. It's spectacular. <laughs> he is putting so much sauce on every moment he's on stage. So much sauce. <laughs> um, I I think he's alone for a couple of reasons. Yeah, I think he's alone. Partly because he is the king. Oh, of course. How uh, fucking I, dare you? <laughs> I also think he's alone because he is on the other side of the world. He exactly. is not part of this. He is mm-hmm. back in England. I also think it's very interesting that he keeps talking to America about how they're alone. Yeah. But he's the one alone on stage. I don't yeah. think that's an accident. And the only time that he's really not alone on stage is in act two when he stays because he finds out to watch john adams is going to be president and he's like oh this is going to be fun and then he sits on the side for uh-huh. a little while not for very long but he sort of like camps out to watch and is is delighted and delightful he does a little dance yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah he's uh he's amazing oh that was such a great he's a lot um, of fun but uh, the other thing that I was surprised by, um, because I had actually not read that much about this, even though it's been so much a part of the culture, was mm-hmm. that there's kind of a narrator and it's Aaron Burr. Yeah. He's. Oh, you hadn't. I forget you hadn't listened to the recording. If you listen no, to the recording, you know no that Aaron Burr narrates it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's you're you're seeing most of the show uh, sort of through Alexander's eyes, but you're also seeing Alexander through Burr's eyes and going back and forth. And they have this sort of longitudinal story where they're Mm -hmm. allies and enemies and allies and enemies. And it's really interesting to watch it multiple times and try to sort of see it through each person's eye Mm -hmm. in the different sequences. And like a lot of it, my first time through, it just kind of seemed like, Oh, Alex just wants to be pals. (laughs) And then seeing it the second time through, obviously there's more complexity to it. And Mm -hmm. these are two men who just fundamentally don't really understand each other. No, they're they're so different, different in the way they approach things. And I mean, more than anything else, everything about this show just wants, makes me want to read more actual history and find oh, out more about all of these people because I've deep dived into a lot of these things, but not so much the personal lives and the personal relationships. And Alexander Hamilton has always been sort of a second tier founding father figure mm-hmm. after your Washingtons and your Jeffersons and your Adamses. Well, he didn't and live so, nearly as long. That's part of it. I think that's part of it as well. And the Adams and Jefferson specifically have their whole like after they were president parts of their lives and dying mm-hmm. on July 4th, it, you know, 50 years to the day after they signed the Declaration of Independence. Like there are things about history that sometimes genuinely have a mythic quality. Mm-hmm. But Hamilton doesn't have that because he died at whatever it was, 47, 48 years old. I, I didn't do the math, but yeah, yeah, something like that. He was a fairly young man. Yeah. Um, even by the standards of the day. He was yeah. a fairly young man. Like he's, I think he might still have had children at home because they had a lot more yeah. children than are portrayed in the show. We really only ever meet Philip. There is mm-hmm. a line where Philip mentions that he has a sister, but he yeah. would like a brother. In reality, they had quite a lot of children. And they did <laughs> one, one really weird thing, oh, okay. which is, well, after Philip died, mm-hmm. they did have another son. And, and named him Philip. And named him Philip. Oh, I was afraid you were going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Problematic. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that kid grew up to be completely 100% I'm sure he's emotionally fine. maladjusted. Yeah. Just fine being Philip too. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. I hope Even they called him something else uh, as a nickname. I don't know. I didn't read that far because it, it did not make me want to go back and, and read history so much as it made me want to <laughs> listen to the sound. Uh, I just said it to the. Broad, the Broadway recording over and over and over again. <laughs> the album. <laughs> the album. The show. Well, and there is, I mean, something that that was very interesting to see when I saw the, and you, you won't know this yet, um, <gasps> but when I saw the, the filmed version, mm-hmm. there is a moment that was not included on the album. Oh, yeah. Um, which is 
how and when John Lawrence died. Oh, okay. We're not we're not given that. Um, and it's it's poignant when you see it. It's it's not on the album, and uh, and Lynn tweeted out, "It's like <laughs> he didn't put it on the album. He wanted everyone to see it. He knew people would see it. He wanted that oh, to be seen, not heard." So. Yeah. Now you you'll do it in the opposite way, as will yeah. anyone who's who saw the show first. But yeah. um, he does. I mean, Lawrence does kind of disappear halfway through the show. A little but bit, yeah. So does Hercules Mulligan. Yeah. You know, so does Lafayette. He's mentioned again, but we don't see him again because the same actor plays Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Um, well, and part of that was there. There are sort of the way there are two halves of the show we kind of see two halves of Hamilton's life. Yeah. The second half being arguably shorter than the first, but <laughs> still um, they're the people who play important roles in the first half of his life go away. And then the same actors play the most important people in the second half of his life. Yeah. So the same actor, David Diggs, who plays Lafayette, comes back and plays Jefferson. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name at the moment. I'm so sorry. But the the gentleman who plays John Lawrence comes back and plays his son, Philip. It's Anthony Ramos. Thank you, Anthony Ramos. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, you know, the double casting works really, really well in that mm-hmm. way. Uh, and and then is, we should is also... purposeful. Those, those roles were doubled up for that reason. Yeah. And then we should also shout out specifically the actor who played both Hercules Mulligan and James Madison. And I'm going to take the bullet on this one because I'm a white person and this is a difficult name to pronounce. Oh, okay. Uh, It's O-K-I-E-R-I-E-T-E is his first name. Sorry, O-K. Can you slow it down? O-K-I-E-R-I-E-T-E. Okirite, perhaps? Maybe, perhaps, And then... uh, Onodawan, I believe, is the last name. And okay. I apologize for, again, being a Euro-American who does not have a lot of experience pronouncing non-Euro-American names. <laughs> I, I don't have it in front of me, so I, I'm not going to hazard a guess. But... That's totally fine. But I just wanted to specifically mention that Onodawan and Diggs, both of those actors, I because I was just caught up in the story and I wasn't thinking about the logistics of putting together a Broadway production, I mm. did not note that they were playing double roles in the second oh. act. Because really? their performances, to my eye, were just that convincing. And David Diggs especially, they have his hair bound back when he plays Lafayette, and he has yeah. a French accent, and then uh-huh. he comes out as Jefferson and has this Im- immense, like, swagger and the lighting and the costuming, and his hair is loose, and it just, like, I, again, his personal bias, I suppose, is part of it, and part of it is just being swept up in the performance and the story. Neither of those guys, to me, were the same actor. I just oh, wow. went with it. That's, I mean, I knew from the album because accent yeah. or not, I recognize his voice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I recognized him, both of them right away. Yeah. It just, it didn't um, occur to me. But again, until... they come yeah. back and I, I didn't uh, mention the other gentleman whose name we're not sure how to pronounce and we're very sorry before, but yes, he, he plays Hercules Mulligan and then he comes mm-hmm. back and plays James Madison. So yeah. And again, important figures in his life who disappear and then are sort of reborn as the same actors. And there's a very clever thing that happens at the top of act two when we meet Jefferson, where uh-huh. right before he comes in, there's a line about you haven't met him yet. You haven't had the chance. Yeah. And that's in there because they know they're about to introduce an actor we've seen before and we would expect him to be Lafayette. Oh, interesting. but he's going to yeah. come on as Jefferson. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. think of why he would have written it that way. That's interesting. Oh. See, you got You got to follow him on Twitter. <laughs> Watch him live tweet the show, or as I did, read half the tweets in intermission and the other half when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose the other thing we could try to do is get Lynn on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, that'd I be amazing. He's in, he's in high demand right now, probably. <laughs> yeah, I think we're too small time for him. I don't think we're important Maybe. enough. Maybe. Uh, I also, well, I mean, if we went, if we went through enough hoops, we might. I mean, I think we're within six degrees, but yeah, it would I can not be easy. Think of a couple of degrees, but we shouldn't uh, mention that. Publicly. We're not going to name people. Put pressure and, on people uh, who we like. <laughs> people we who are not listening to this, and why should they? Um, <laughs> but also, yeah, I don't. I think I think he has better things to do. 
How dare we? <laughs> um, looking at my notes again. Oh, I wanted to say one more thing about uh, Leslie Odom as Aaron Burr. Oh, well, two like, things. yeah. First like, of can all, we talk about Leslie Odom Jr.? Forever. Um, yeah. Oh. I, I think that the fascinating thing about his portrayal is as just an audience member, not even thinking critically, I mm. feel... You know, we spend so much time with him. I feel so close to him. There's great like close ups because they're filming it. Mm. And I at the end of the day, you really don't know that much more about Aaron Burr at the end than when you started. He's get more not not from a lack of development, but from a purposeful lack of yeah. development. Talk and that's, less, smile more. Don't yeah. let them know what you're against or what you're for. Exactly. And I just that's I find ethos. that exact, you know, character the way a character is written, the way a character is portrayed, I find that to be fascinating where you spend so much time with someone and like get to know the actor's face and their mannerisms and their voice in especially a musical. Mm -hmm. But still, like, I couldn't tell you what Aaron Burr supported. Like, he wasn't publicly on the side of any issue within the context of the story. And that's the thing that makes me really want to read more about him is like, okay, Mm -hmm. what were things that he wrote maybe in private letters? You know, did he agree with his contemporaries on this or that issue? I honestly couldn't tell you. The only thing most people know about him is that he shot somebody. (laughs) My my guess is that you won't find much. I think that's probably true. Because I don't, I I doubt, and I could be wrong again not my country not my history but i <laughs> i don't think that lynn made up the fact yeah that that burr was not publicly on the side of anything ever yeah exactly and that in in the end his refusal to commit to anything was his downfall yeah um although well the one time he did commit actually was his downfall yeah, exactly. <laughs> the one time he felt strongly about something, he uh, felt strongly enough about it to pull the trigger. Yeah, because up until that point, he didn't he didn't get ahead because he wouldn't take a stand. Yeah, that's at least that's within the context of the show. That is what we know about him, mm-hmm. that he doesn't want anyone to know what side of any issue he's on because they might not vote for him. They might yeah. not let him get ahead. They might. Yeah. And so it's he says something to the effect in the first, I think, in Wait for It, the first mm-hmm. uh, rendition of that, that like it's if you take a side on something, it's ammunition for your enemies. Uh, yes, he says that to uh, to Alexander. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, uh, you know, why. It... <laughs> Stevie has computer accessing <laughs> face. She's trying to remember. No, no, it's not that at all. <laughs> oh, it's, no. Okay. Um, no, I'm that's just I'm just thinking about where exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that it's during, you know, why, why do you assume you're the smartest in the room? Oh, it's that, that it's okay. that bit. Okay. Why do you assume you're the yeah. smartest in the room? And then, you know, why? Basically, what he's saying to Alexander is, why do you talk so much? You're giving people free ammunition yeah. to attack you with. Yeah. Um, and what Alexander essentially comes back with and not in this exact order in the mm-hmm. song, mm-hmm. but he essentially comes back with. I mean, one of my favorite lines he has in the show to Burr is when he, he comes to Burr at night to ask him uh, to write the Federalist Papers with him or what will end up yeah. being the Federalist Papers. Great scene. And Burr declines. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to take a stand. Yeah. And what Alexander says to him, he says, Burr, you, <laughs> we had a war about this. Yeah. You know, we fought and we killed for the notion of a nation we now get to build. Mm-hmm. For once in your life, take a stand with pride. I don't understand how you stand to the side. Yeah. And that tells us everything we need to know about both of them, right? Yeah. Um, and that, that's part of wait for it, I believe. I think that, so. Yeah, that he, Alexander can't keep his mouth shut, and mm-hmm. he has to take a stand on what he believes in. Yeah. Even to his own detriment, like with the mm-hmm. Reynolds pamphlet. Burr's the opposite. He's so afraid to take a stand on anything that he never does. Yeah. And then when he finally does at the end, because he starts to in the room where it happens. In that yeah. song, that's where he makes that decision that he's never again going to allow his indecisiveness to keep him from power. Yeah, and exactly. that's he switches parties. He becomes a Democratic Republican uh-huh. to run against Alexander's father-in-law. That's where he starts to make decisions, and all of them are bad. <laughs> you know? So maybe he was right. He runs for president. 
He loses. He comes back and says, well, I look forward to being vice president because for some dumb reason, back in the early days Mm -hmm. of the United States, whoever lost the election got to be VP. Although in some ways that makes sense because you have an opposing point of view right there. That's a thing we could talk a lot more about. Yeah. yeah. But he comes in, he says, well, I look forward to being the VP. Mm -hmm. And Jefferson says, "Uh, nope. Slaps his hand away. Not happening. I'm the Mm -hmm. president now. I'm not going to do that for you. Yeah. And he, so as he starts making decisions, they don't go very well. And his final decision in that duel with Alexander is to pull the trigger where Alexander wasn't going to shoot him. No. Not the way it's portrayed. He was going to do what he told his son to do. He was going to point his gun up, shoot to the sky, call it a day. But Burr finally really, truly commits to something. Yeah. Kills his friend slash enemy. His frenemy. <laughs> frenemy. If you will. Mm-hmm. And that's all anybody remembers about him. Yeah. So, you know, I, I assume that was truly the end of his political career. And that's my recollection. But so it's been a while since I read more in detail. And that's what's great about both the writing and Odom's performance is mm-hmm. that you are sort of with him the whole time, even though you yeah. don't even really know who he is inside. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you also understand him. like Yeah. Yes, he shoots Hamilton, but at least my my take on it is I don't hate him for it. Sure, no, I don't. Totally, you don't get want it. him to have done it. Yeah, but yeah, it's like, and he feels bad about it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, and we know, we know at the beginning of the show that he will kill him. We're told right yeah, in the opening, "I'm the damn fool who shot him." Yeah, um, so it's not like it's a surprise when he actually does it, <laughs> but. Yeah. It's also the law of Chekhov's gun in a lot of ways. <laughs> there are a lot of guns on stage in this production, that's for sure. Yeah, but if, if you claim at the top of a show that you're going to shoot mm-hmm. somebody, you have to do that before the end of the show. <laughs> it's, it's a spin on Chekhov's gun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, really no alternative there. I'm sure yeah. Miranda and everybody on that stage knows that. <laughs> yes, I'm sure there was no question that that, that was going to happen. But uh, yeah, I just um, I'm sort of I'm scrolling through both the cast list and then the track list here. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much amazing stuff. We could spend a million years just breaking down Mm -hmm. every element of this. I mean, you couldn't even really do a commentary track for this show because there's just so much going on. Yeah, I think you'd have to do multiple or you would just be talking through the whole show like you would just never stop because there's always something happening on stage and I I do want to watch it a few more times to catch some of what's going on in the background because the I background know stuff there's stuff amazing. happening there that I didn't catch the first time. And I think we should probably also explicitly call out everybody in the ensemble. I'm not going to do it by name, but their names oh. are around, they're in the credits, but just to say specifically the ensemble, the background performers, the supporting performers, however I'm supposed to say that. Well they're they're not background. Uh, yeah. on on Broadway they would be called the ensemble. That's uh, their name. They're all tremendous, and I don't mean any affront. So that's why I was trying to <laughs> walk yes, my way that's, that's out why of saying, I'm saying the wrong thing. This is, this is the correct term. Yeah, we want to acknowledge them as as how they are credited, mm-hmm. and in a Broadway show, they yeah. are credited as the ensemble because they're doing like as is not a surprise. So I don't mean to phrase it this way, but they're doing real acting work all throughout the show. Mm-hmm. They're reacting to things. They're like conversing back and forth there's the these great like sort of rap battle scenes in the second act in the cabinet room Mm -hmm. uh scenes and there's like a a half arc of chairs for people haven't seen it and there's people on hamilton's side and people on jefferson's side and the people sitting down are like reacting to it and talking to each other and it feels very real even though they don't necessarily have scripted dialogue Mm -hmm. i i think the probably the coolest job in the ensemble Mm -hmm. um is the bullet Yes. Yeah. Um, um, I was just reading about her, about the I woman who, think, who was playing it on Twitter, and I've forgotten her name. Is it Ariana DeBose? I think that's that her. Is? Yeah. 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 Um, she has a very, very cool job. Yeah. Um, you want to watch her <laughs> when, when, you're, uh, when you're watching the show, because basically when someone fires a gun, she sort of appears and affects the trajectory. <laughs> but she also... She has some smaller speaking parts, and they're never by yeah. accident. Yeah. So, for instance, she's the person, when Philip comes to the theater looking for George Eaker, she's the person who tells him where to find him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's, like, she, she's kind of a messenger of death. 
She sets, <laughs> she tends to set death in motion and she literally affects the trajectories of bullets. Interesting. I didn't notice that connection with the it's bullet work. Fascinating. And mm-hmm. it's nothing is by accident. Like that is the bullet yeah. is a role within the ensemble. Yeah. But I think all of the ensembles have a speaking role at some point, even if it's not a named speaking role. They do oh, talk. Oh, yes. They yeah. Do I think they, they all do talk. They certainly all sing. And they yeah. one one thing that's phenomenal about shows like this is you have to remember they are singing live. This was oh, not yeah. re-recorded. There is no ADR. They were doing this eight times a week yeah. on Broadway. Uh, they are dancing that hard and singing like that all at the same time these people are highly highly trained yeah. professionals they are artistic athletes and they're what, absolutely yeah. incredible every last one of them it reminded me of our conversation about clue and <laughs> oh and tim curry tim yeah. curry running around all throughout the third act and you saying it's basically the same as being on stage you're running yeah. and you're dancing and you're singing or talking or whatever and and where does tim curry come from Broadway. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But that's what I was reminded of, because nobody really seems super out of breath unless they're acting it. Right. Because they're this is what they do. Yeah. Um, These guys are all guys and gals and perhaps non-binary friends. Um, Folks. the, The people of the ensemble are all. Ensembles never get enough credit. Yeah. Because the people in the ensemble are just as capable of playing the lead roles usually as the people playing the lead roles. They are just as trained. They work just as hard, sometimes harder. Um, They are, they tend to be the strongest dancers because they have to be. Sure. They're definitely doing a lot more dancing. Yeah. And, and they do some very acrobatic dancing in this show. And that's not true in every show. There are some sort of old school musicals where the choreography was not as big a deal. You know, okay. and any anyone with some rhythm could learn it. Um, <laughs> but as as musicals have become more and more spectacles, yeah, I think it's gotten more complicated. Um, but they're like I said, they're they're trained in this. Most of these people have been dancing all of their lives. They've been mm-hmm. singing all of their lives. This is what they do, uh, and they're phenomenal at it. And they don't get enough credit because we don't learn their names. Unless they sort of make it out of the chorus, as it were. You can go watch a chorus line about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Was there any other song or performance or writing element that you wanted to talk about? Because I want to start circling for an end here because we're already at 45. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, everything stands out, so it's hard for (laughs) anything to stand out. Uh, I know when I first listened to the show, I listened to it every day for a very long time after I first listened to it. I understood exactly (laughs) what John had meant about like, what am I going to do about Hamilton in my life today? This is my life now. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's like, it's just on all the time while I make dinner, while I go to work, while I, you know, not while I'm working necessarily because I have things (laughs) to do, but it was on all the time whenever I was not doing anything else. Um, it's great for the gym, by the way, because oh, th- there's so much fast-paced, like it's propulsive. Yeah, a lot of a lot of it's really good for like the treadmill and stuff, and it definitely came to the gym with me a lot. Um, so it's I I know I want to see it a bunch more times. Uh, yeah. I don't typically pay for Disney Plus. <laughs> I did well played Disney, by the way, getting rid of the free trial. But gotcha. I understand because how many people would have mm-hmm. done exactly what I would have done, which is save uh-huh. your free trial. Sign up for the free trial, cancel it after a week. So I will pay Disney for exactly one month, and I will watch <laughs> Hamilton a lot. Well, how many times would you have to watch it for eight dollars to really? Well, well, more that's than that just. For you, I mean, yeah. it's half the cost of a movie in the theater. Uh huh. And you know, while I have Disney Plus for this month, I'm going to watch all kinds of stuff probably. But I certainly intend to <laughs> watch as much Hamilton as I possibly can. We're going to end up um, doing like a D Plus themed episode next week. <laughs> Well, what did I? Oh, I watched. Uh, I did watch Toy Story Four, which oh, we can talk about go. another time. I have yeah. not watched that at all, so that'll oh, be okay. the subject of a not. future episode. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't, it's it's just it's so hard to talk about anything that stands out because everything is okay. so phenomenal. Well, this being both of our first times seeing it, mm-hmm. I thought that maybe we could talk for a quick second uh, before we go about like the set design and the lighting and all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff because you obviously 
know firsthand what theater tech is and involves. And I am just sitting here like, oh, look at the fancy lights in the spinning floor. <laughs> I mean, but I'm I thought not a that lighting was designer, but spectacular. But you've been on a stage. <laughs> yes, many times. <laughs> I have walked lights. <laughs> uh, which is when you're when you're setting up the lights you need at least one actor to go stand in all the places and then you light that <laughs> but i thought that uh probably my favorite element of the like physical stage design if you will i'm sure that's mm-hmm. not the right term was moving the stairway around there's a great sequence where washington mm-hmm. i think it happens twice actually where washington is at the top of the stairs mm-hmm. and is sort of beckoning hamilton towards his future Mm-hmm. And then there's another, I can't remember who it is right now. It might be Jefferson. But there there are multiple times where they use the stairs that are clearly on wheels of some kind mm-hmm. to dramatic effect. And I just thought yeah. that was a, such a spectacular idea. It's very cool. I think it gets used as a boat a couple of times. Oh, like when, think, yeah. when they're sailing somewhere, the staircase moves. Yeah. Um, yeah, they really, I mean, I love the turntable mm-hmm. um, where they can spin people around and i i believe it has multiple um it's two rings at least rings yeah Mm -hmm. plus the middle i think yeah so it's it's very cool and there's some overhead shots that let you look down mm -hmm. on the whole lit stage and so you get to sort of see things turning in multiple ways and i thought that was really interesting because you absolutely could not get that effect if you were sitting in a theater yourself no you'd get close from the balcony sure if you were up in the balcony you would yeah, you but not directly over. <laughs> no, you're almost never directly over. Um, well, sometimes if you're in a box, you're pretty much there. Although I never recommend sitting in the box seats. Yeah. Because the thing about box seats is they are a holdover from a time when you went to the theater to see and be seen and yeah. not necessarily to really pay attention to the play. So the downfall of the boxes. <laughs> is that they cut off part of your view. There is yeah. always part of the stage, sometimes up to half of the stage, if you're in a front box, on your own side that you cannot see. Yeah. So it seems like a great thing. It seems very posh, and it is. And yet, at the same time, it's not the best view of the stage. So one thing that I learned working in theater um, is that what people think are the best seats are almost never the best seats. <laughs> It's because they're status best seats, not necessarily experience best seats. Well, and not... So if you think about the way a set is built and put together and the way staging is done in any show, yeah, um, even the front row is generally not the greatest place to be because you don't get the full effect. And sometimes you're too close to get the full effect of, for instance, what the set should look like, what color it should be, that kind of thing. Yeah, You're, You're better off about halfway back or so in those terms yeah i could talk forever about how gorgeous this show looks you know the costume design and the sets um the simplicity of the ensemble yeah costume design as well uh a lot of the time they're just sort of in cream colored very tight fitting Mm -hmm. pants and uh sort of a corset type top uh which allows them to be various genders that Mm -hmm. they might need to be for any particular moment or role you can go from being a lady to being a soldier to be which back then you couldn't be both um (laughs) (laughs) it does seem like it was designed with an eye towards both like visual versatility of Mm -hmm. like who the ensemble is in a given moment but also probably with an eye towards quick changes yeah so the ensemble doesn't change much not a ton but i think they they, do a little bit but yeah yeah they definitely have sort of a neutral outfit that they wear yes. a lot of the time that, yes, you can layer stuff over for the most mm-hmm. part if you need to be somebody else and yeah. take it off if you're part of the ensemble. So, yeah, I think that was very, very cleverly done. And then most of the main cast doesn't have that many changes. Hamilton no, really and Burr each have a couple. I think the, the women have a couple of dresses each. Um, yeah, probably the one who changes the most is um, Jasmine Jones because she plays multiple characters. She plays Peggy, that, and then later she plays Maria. Yeah. Uh, I think she's just the two, isn't she? She's just got yeah. the two. Yeah, she's yes. Maria Reynolds in, in mm-hmm. Act Two. And she's and so she's another one who, as Peggy, is important in Alexander's life in Act One and then fades uh-huh. away probably because Peggy got married and moved away I or would something. think so, yeah. Uh, And then that same actress plays Maria Reynolds, very important in a very different way in his life (laughs) later on. So uh, Angelica, Eliza, 
uh, Burr and Hamilton are really the big four who don't change. And Washington. Washington doesn't yeah. change. And the king. Um, but everybody else kind of is double cast. But yeah. uh, Eliza and... And I think Eliza has three outfits. Um, maybe four. Including I think Angelica black, has two. Like, I'm including the shawl, black. Yeah, yeah, I'm including yeah. the morning clothes. And yeah, I think... I'd have to look at... Is her dress at the very end different than her dress at the top of Act 2? I don't think so, but I couldn't say. Is it the white with the blue stripe? The blue... Okay. I wasn't sure if she changed after into a different dress for the very end. Honestly, not Um, sure. I only watched it an hour ago. Right. Well, see, you should... I just watched... I watched it two days ago. You should know. Um, Angelica, I believe, has two dresses, which also reflect time periods. So... The, the dresses that the girls wear in Act 1 when they're young and single, and then the dresses <laughs> that they wear later when they're married. And it's been a couple of decades. Um, yeah. The change in style. I don't know if, if a man would notice this, but the change in style of dress and yeah. hairstyles is apparent that, you know, this is what was wear- worn at the time. Well, if you push a little bit further into the actual timeline, because it ends in whatever, 1804, mm-hmm. um there actually is a big change in the style of men's clothes at the time because you have these sort of tights versions of things, male bloomers, and then they actually transition into trousers when you get into the 19th century. Mm -hmm. So if you'd run a couple of more decades, you'd see a much bigger change in the main cast's wardrobe on the male side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They were all still wearing stockings and... Yeah. And... What are those? No powdered wigs, though. They're not bloomers. What are they called? Knickers? Capri pants? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't think they're capri pants <laughs> i sort of doubt it too oh, anyway. uh, <laughs> i do know the word and it will come to me but as probably soon as we not by the recording, time we pop, yeah not by the time we finish <laughs> but uh, it's been almost an hour so i think we're gonna we're gonna call it quits because how could we ever do justice to a show like this let's wrap it up because yeah we we would need at least the two hours and 40 minutes that hamilton is to to give it <laughs> to scratch due. the surface yeah so if you for some reason listen to all this without watching or listening please do so and then you know read up uh, on some actual history too because that's important to know not just to play gotcha with lynn and the cast and crew but to actually know what happened in the past is objectively valuable i think it matters more in this particular case if you're american mm-hmm. uh, but i i do uh, urge you to ask yourself what am i going to do about hamilton in my life today <laughs> And the answer to that should be listen to the album if I haven't yet. <laughs> Pay eight, eight or nine dollars for Disney Plus for one month if you haven't yet. Watch Hamilton and then cancel your membership. <laughs> do whatever you want with your membership. We're not going to tell you what to do, except we are going to tell you what to do with plugs in your life. Are we? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, would you like to do Oh, is it plugs? me? I was, that was what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, things to plug. Sure. Um, honestly, Charlotte. Honestlycharlotte.com. You can, you can watch season one. Season two is written. We have no money. If you would like us to make season two, send us money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Stevie KJ. Oh, oh, and ha, I do have a thing. Yes, I think you do now I that do you have a thing. Um, I had... Uh, I I did do one COVID quarantine project. Uh, It was a live reading of a feature film script called Starship Patrol. When I say live, what I mean is we all recorded our parts individually by ourselves on our computers and then sent them to the writer director and then he put it together. So not live. (laughs) No, live to Zoom. Uh In my case, I did it live to Zoom and then I sent it to Adam uh, Adam Zimmerman is his name, and uh, he put the whole thing together, and it came out, I think, really quite well. And it's a fun, cool. um, you know, space adventure times script. <laughs> so um, that's uh, over on on YouTube, I believe. The easiest way to find it is to go to panicmoonproductions.com. dot com, panicmoonproductions dot com, and uh, there will be a link right i think on their front page that will take you to where you can watch starship patrol hooray, hooray. and speaking of space adventures that's yes. where i spend most of my got? time these days uh but that's all the teas you're getting uh christopherroyce.com 
you can bookmark for the future when there are real updates that aren't just my vague pronouncements. <laughs> uh, say hi on Twitter, follow the show, say hi via email or whatever. We like to hear from you guys. We don't hear from you nearly enough. Yeah, write to us. Talk to us. Uh, and I said guys again. I should say folks. I apologize. Write to me and tell me to stop saying guys because it's annoying. We're we're learning. Um, I mean, I it's one that I have trouble with because it's so ingrained in my speech pattern. Me too. And while I understand that some people object to it, as a cis woman, I've been referred to as guys my entire life. And I've yeah. never felt misgendered by it. It's never bothered me. So yeah. it's it's one, and I think there are maybe two schools of thought on that, that there are people who are bothered by it and, and people who are not, which is true of many things. Um, so we make an effort to not say it. Um, sometimes we slip up and we're sorry. Thank you, buddies, friends, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>